Tennessee Titans talk. We're back, boys. It's been a while. We've been following the draft every day. Lots of stuff has happened. So excited to be with you guys. But big fella, Landon, here we are. Landon was just saying pre-show. I can't believe the draft is next week. Uh, it kind of it's kind of months away, right, John? It's like, oh, I can't believe it's so far. And then it's like, oh, it's in a few days, and here we are. Yeah, I, I mean, it really is. And I've been listening to, you know, I listen to Sirius XM NFL Radio all the time, and everybody is the same kind of feeling that we are. Like, I cannot believe that we're eight days away from the draft. It feels like m- months ago, forever to get here, and now we're here. Before we get into the draft, what's the biggest thing that's happened since we talked? Titans wise we've made some smaller moves for me it's Austin Hooper and I know you know he didn't really wow everybody once he left Atlanta but I do think he's a definitive upgrade I think he's the biggest thing to happen in our kind of post few days free first few days of free agency I would agree with Hooper because it's been pretty much our only real move that we've done and it's a great deal and it just makes the Jeff Swaim signing even weirder because Hooper signed for six million Swaim signed for three. Three and a half is a lot. Like, we lost Foreman for two million. Swaim is just a guy. It's like, what do we see and why did we bring Jess Swaim back? Other than that, I guess the A.J. Brown drama, I'm putting air quotes around that because it sounds like we're working on an extension. Just he's not going to voluntary workouts. It's not a huge deal, but it's a weird part of the offseason where there's not a lot to talk about. So people are saying, ooh, is A.J. Brown trying to get his way out, blah, blah, blah. Are the Jets going to get him? Just like, no, shut up. Like, Rabel <laughs> and J-Rob both said all these rumors are garbage. So just stop talking about it. Right. I don't see the actual drama there. But I understand why he's got to make that point. And uh, you think about these second-round guys. Now, they make more money than we make, but they don't – if A.J. Brown, God forbid, had some kind of catastrophic injury, he would have to go work for a living. I mean, when you take $500,000 a year, a million dollars a year, and you divide it by a third in state, state taxes, I mean, this guy is like 24 years old. I think there's a lot of nerves in year three, am I right? And there's a lot of, I just want to get that next contract. I understand why he's sitting out of voluntary stuff because he hears a lot from his agent and, and other folks. So uh, I'm like Landon. I'm not too worried about it. I think they create that narrative. I think the issue in San Francisco with Evo Samuel was maybe a little more uh, like actually nuanced. Mm. Uh, but for me, this is a big decision. For <clears throat> as good as he's looked, he's had some injury issues. Uh, he is a game changer when he's out there. When you look at our record last year with him and without him, uh, that's going to be the big narrative through training camp, I think, until they sign him. If you were John Robinson, what would you do with A.J. Brown? If I'm J-Rob, I'm getting this deal done today. Um, I mean, he's proven that he is one of the league's best receivers, not just one of the you know best younger guys, one of the league's best receivers. And I think, you know, I was going to comment that, you know, I'd rather have the A.J. Brown drama than the Debo Samuel drama because – it's clear AJ wants to be here. It's clear we want him here. So we don't have to worry about him requesting for a trade to go elsewhere. Um, but I think what you're saying bring you know makes a lot of sense. I mean, he does have injury history, and you have to wonder, you know, at what price does it make sense to move on from him? Like if somebody offers us a one and a two, I mean, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. It would have to be a high one, and they would have to love a guy in this draft. Yeah. I was and, thinking about that, too. I was thinking earlier, if I asked these guys, you know, what's the – and Landon, I'll ask you, if what what is that phone call? What's that guy father offer that he would take? I don't know if that's on their radar. I think what they want to do is find a deal. John said if he was John Robinson, he would call his agent and say, all right, what is it going to take to get it done today? Uh, What is the fair market value for A.J. Brown? What would it take to get him to sign tomorrow? I think it would be astronomical thanks to – and people I've seen on social media, people blaming Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk did what any of us would do. He would sign his name. I blame the stupid Jags, right? Yep. The only way that they're hurting com- competitive balance in this league is not by winning any games or getting any better. It's by dumb contracts that reset the market at positions. 
which they have done. I'm proud of Christian Kirk. I think he should get his, and that's great. But the Jags are the idiots there, not him. Uh, big, uh, John, Landon, for you, what is his fair market value if we were to? I don't think we will sign him soon. I would say in that 23 to 25 range, which is pretty much at the top of the market. And like we said, when he's healthy, he is that guy. He makes us almost unstoppable. I mean, we went like 11 and two last year with him and against the Bengals who had a good defense, he at will got open. So, and you look at J Rob's history, we can't draft receivers. We got lucky with AJ Brown falling to us outside of that. We've pretty much missed it every single spot. Right. So I think that's part of it too, right? Just like, can we replace him? Cause we don't have a great track record with receivers. That's an excellent point. Well, think about this too. If you take AJ Brown off of the team, how terrified are you with what's left? <laughs> well, look at what we did with him without him offensively. Yes, mm-hmm. it would be because if I'm his agent, there is no way, there is no way he's signing for less than 23 million a year for five years, three fully guaranteed. That's the minimum. That's a lot of money for a guy who is not consistently healthy. Now, he could get healthy. Some guys age into health a little. I think just by the nature of his physicality, I don't know that he's ever going to play more than like 14 games a year. That's just kind of how it is. But when he's out there, and if the stars ever align, he's out there. And he, I, I don't think he's at his prime. I mean, as young as mm-hmm. he is, if he's hopefully can be healthy – in his mid to late 20s, that'll be his prime. And what if he hits his prime uh, in a January and he's fully healthy? That's why you sign that contract, because he can win us the Super Bowl. I mean, the guy is incredibly talented. We talked about Debo Samuel in San Francisco. I, I wish I've said this since we drafted him. Last year, Debo Samuel um, had about 1,200 yards uh, receiving. 14. He, oh, 1,400 <laughs> yards receiving, right. Okay. He had about six uh, receiving touchdowns. He had eight rushing touchdowns. Yeah. My dream is that we give him that money, and we actually do. I think it, it annoys me. We're like, well, oh, they should do this or that. But I think the blueprint is there, Landon, right? The blueprint is there. Like, there's more that this guy could do. If we're going to pay him the big money, I love John's point. Imagine our offense without him. Imagine our offense creative with him on the field, right? That's – that's what makes you think. I don't think they need to go out and sign him now, but I would love if they got – they just got a, got a deal done. I like the idea well, of using A.J. Brown more as a runner like we did as rookie year. We've gone away from that the past two years because Henry's been awesome. I think you don't want to go as far as Debo did or as far as San Francisco did with Debo Samuel because it gets to the point where when you're running them into the teeth of the defense six, seven times a game – that adds up on top of the receiving workload. So to me, I think AJ Brown is a guy like with Robert Woods in LA, he'd get like three carries a game. That's a, that's a good level for AJ Brown. The guy, like we saw his rookie year on the end around versus saints where if he comes around, you have to respect that thread, but it's not, I don't think he's a guy, especially with his durability issues where you line him up at running back, you hand the ball off to him. He's making normal runs. You're, you're essentially just doing like pop passes, like short stuff to get him in space. Yeah. Well, yeah. And no, I, my comment was going to be, I think <clears throat> that's Debo's main reason for wanting out of San Francisco, right? He doesn't like the way he's being utilized. He's taking a lot of extra hits. That really surprised me though, because yeah. I would want to be used both ways. That really surprised me today. I'm mad would, because they well, put it, me in space. It shortens, it, would, it shortens yeah. his career because I mean, he was, he missed games this, this past season. He got banged up. He ha- isn't the most healthy guy to be in with anyway. And if you're just if you're only playing receiver, and you're taking out those five rushes a game, that's eighty less rough hits you're having to take a year. Yeah. Well, I I, think, I mean I get that to a certain point, but what's the alternative? Not being being underutilized. Like you can't have it yeah. both ways. He's basically to me saying, I I wish I were perfectly utilized. Do you know how many wide receivers wish they'd had the opportunity to rush for eight touchdowns last year? It's well, like that's, when people yeah. in Nashville complain about how expensive things is. Do you think Detroit or Cleveland would uh, trade all their empty buildings for them? I'm just saying I get it to a degree. But, I mean, it's not like the guy ran 200 times last year. I I don't know. Well, and that's something, too. Like, I, I personally, 
I would love to be utilized. And then if you're Debo, you get this opportunity. Now he claims it's not about money, but if you, if you make like an incentive laden deal, I mean, and then you take his history of going from six touchdowns as a receiver to 14 touchdowns as a, a, you know, multi-use kind of guy, you leverage that, right? You use, you, say all right well if if i'm if you're going to use me this way i want i want incentives based on touchdown production um and based on total yardage and and things of that nature total touches um percentages percentage of snaps played and you kind of run with it now again he said he's not you know as concerned about money um as he is about the way he's used but I, i would be eating it up i mean but to landon's point it reduces his shelf his his shelf life. I think these guys feel a lot of pressure. I think they know that they're a year away from getting even the signing bonus they get from these huge extensions, and they see other guys that they know they're as good or better than. And I think the pressure gets them. Devo Samuel's in a good situation. That's what really mm-hmm. surprised me. You know how many receivers, and they're going to back their their fellow players. How many receivers? read that today and we're like i would kill to play in san francisco with that nerd that puts me in space all the time and that's all i think he probably has some valid points and i'm just saying like i just think the idea that you're around people that have millions of dollars in contracts and you're living in one of the richest places in the world in san francisco i just think until you sign that deal i think you get nerves asking for a trade who trades for really good players like that crap teams <laughs> i mean be careful what you wish for <laughs> I, I mean, know that yeah. sounds out of out of touch and everything, but man, San here comes Francisco, one of the New York right? teams God. swooping in, and and then he's gonna be like, "Oh man, <laughs> that's my point." Uh, yeah. but I think it's interesting uh, how that is, and I, I do, I do think it all. I think it's so interesting. It's like the stock market or anything else where it all kind of goes in like waves of like, oh, the receivers now, and then the running backs, and this or that. So I think a few certain things set off in motion and it, and it kind of like made prices and uh, like you perceive values higher in these guys. And I think their agents, maybe their families or whatever else, they get antsy and uh, understandably so. And I think there's not a lot going on. Guys are just sitting around working out and the uh, uh, front offices are just watching video and the guys at ESPN, Fox Sports, and all over the internet are just looking to churn stuff. I turned on ESPN today, and it was like almost like it was breaking news. It was like, "Here's a Bill Barnwell projected trade," and I was like, "You've got, we've got <laughs> to move on. This is it's too much." Like, I mean, we just I think there's a lot of interest and not enough content. And I think right before something big like the draft. These guys, these teams, they are shut down. Everybody yeah. is in there looking at all the tape they've done and having a talk. And there is not, I mean, there's not a sound or a creep. Don't you think, John, that that sort of creates this sort of engine? Like, obviously, ESPN isn't going to go radio silent. They've got to put something on the air. So if there's nothing yeah. there, they're just going to make us, they're just going to dream this stuff up, right? For sure. I mean, and it's just, you know, that's what this part of the offseason is. And I think I'm curious to get your guys' take on this. I mean, it's like a perfect storm, right? Because you have the Tyreek Hill trade. You have the Devontae Adams trade. They're getting record-setting numbers. And then it just so happens to be that there were five to six guys taken in the 2019 draft in the second and third round that are all receivers and they're all hitting their stride at the same time. Like, you know, these up-and-comers, so you got your DK Metcalf, You've got your Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin, um, Deontay yeah. Johnson. All those guys are hitting at the same exact time. So it's almost like it's almost like a union, uh, another union, right? <laughs> you know, I think it trying is to see too. What's I think fall, it's what's a subset. Fall. I think yeah. that's such a great point, John. Uh, Landon, if I were an agent, I would want to get a receiver his money now because if we have two more really good draft class back-to-back like we've had the last four of receivers – it's going to be, even if slightly, it's going to be a devalued position. I mean, mm-hmm. we've had – think of the talent that we've had the last four drafts enter that position. And I mm-hmm. think college football is producing more of them landing. And I'd want to get that deal done. What I see the deals that Tyreek Hill and these other guys have signed, I would almost rather take the extra money, put it in other places, and bet on a guy 
uh, that's currently about to be drafted or is going to come out next year. I mean, you see, obviously, Green Bay has made that bet. And, uh, I mean, obviously. And, obviously, Kansas City is going to make that bet. And they they have it easier because they get to bet on their quarterback making receivers. Uh, But I think it's a really, really critical time in, like, the NFL history for receivers, right? For sure. And with this domino effect of they're all pretty much waiting each other out and holding each other out because as soon as one guy signs, the next guy is going to want to get a tiny bit more so they can get a new record-setting deal. And Because we can say, oh, well, it's devalued. There's too many of them. But at the same time, if Metcalf, A.J. Brown, Debo, McLaurin, these guys go on the market, they're getting first-round picks or a bundle of second-rounders, and they're going to get paid by a bad team. And, yeah, they're going to a new market, and they're losing their chemistry. They might be going to a worse situation, but they're going to get paid. It's not like running back where it's like, oh, you hit for agency. Good luck getting $7 million a year because we don't want to pay you. I mean, receivers get paid no matter what. It's just a matter of do you maybe take a tiny bit less to stay with the team that drafted you and you've been working with, or do you get a bit more to go to a bigger market or somewhere else you want to play? Because, I mean, at the end of the day, you need an elite receiver in order to win, and every team wants that, and people will pay for them. Like if, yes. we didn't have, if we didn't have A.J. Brown and oh, we had yeah. the cap space – We'd be paying for somebody mediocre. Yeah. Absolutely. We would, we, we would trade for one of these guys because you you can't win without them. It's no longer a case mm-hmm. of like passing it, is king. And unless yeah. you have one of those top quarterbacks, which we which a lot of teams don't have, because guess what? It's hard to have a great quarterback. Well, only five of them have it. Yeah, you have yeah. to find talent that can produce no matter who's throwing them the ball, and those guys get paid. Well, there's no question. And uh, John, to his point, I, I honestly think if we didn't have AJ Brown, I think we would be trading for DK Metcalf, who the Seahawks are stupid enough to have on the market. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of smoke about that. I mean, that guy is so good, he might change teams. I think that team is epically poorly run, and I think they're going to fall apart. Um, uh, this offseason to be one of the worst teams in the NFL. I think the Atlanta Falcons are going to straight up 76ers tank. I don't think they're going to tell people that. And I think Seattle, it, I think I think they might actually trade him, which I think is so dumb. He's a good guy. He's a big guy. He, uh, I don't know. So I, I think Landon is totally right. I think if we weren't blessed with A.J. Brown with the 51st pick overall in 19, I think we – We'd be overpaying for one of these guys. For sure. Easily. Well, uh, we have our receiver. Uh, Time will tell if we keep him. But let's talk about our draft, guys. Uh, It's next Thursday. I got to tell you, when I look through these mock drafts, I do get really bummed out. I'm (laughs) one of those people, like, if I get a parking ticket, I can't shake it. Like, I could just say, I've got the money, and that happens. It's no big deal. It just irks me. And losing that second-round pick is that sunk cost. It's that parking ticket that we can't afford because we're a good team, but I can't, I can't like, mentally move past it. So I love the second round. I love J-Rob in the second round. And I'm telling you, boys, it's just, it's just, it's just itching my crawl. I, I hate it. Uh, well, every time I go through the mock drafts and, oh, yeah, the most valuable part of the draft with the – a guy like, look at A.J. Brown and look at the mm-hmm. value you would get him for, for four years. <laughs> oh, we'll skip that because of a guy who was a name and was coming off. He was in his 30s and off a serious injury. <sighs> okay. Are you guys having as much trouble of that as that with me? I'll start with you, Lenny. My issues more come down to the mock drafters just not understanding – our team needs and how we draft in general. It's just so many picks where we take Linderbaum, even though we re-signed Ben Jones and neither of them should be playing guard. So are we playing a center out of position? Are we taking a backup center round one? And of course, I, I've talked about this a lot in our group chats. Whoever mocks us, Devin Lloyd or Nicobe Dean, <laughs> need to be fired into the sun. And it's always like, 
oh, he's a great talent that fell this far. Mike Vrabel's a tough guy. He likes to roast his linebackers. They could use another one. I, I get it if Tennessee isn't a big market, but like David Long is awesome. Monty Rice and Cunningham are really solid. That is a really that is a very good linebacker core. That was what we ran with down the stretch and was great. We let two guys in free agency walk because we have that core. Why are we drafting an awful linebacker? I have yeah. been closely following the NFL draft since before the Titans were here. And since the advent of the internet, I don't know any years or very few years where they actually – some teams, they'll lock in. Oh, they're going to pick them. And sure enough, they pick them. <laughs> the draft next – I think they spend their time doing other things. I don't think they watch any more tape than we do. They couldn't. And I think they never get our pick right because I don't think they care about the Titans. I think they spend all their time because they know all the interest and all the ratings they get are from Jets fans and uh, Packers fans and Cowboys fans is they spend absolutely zero time really thinking about what we need and watching our games and so they always pick these stupidest things. Oh, they'll go tight end, tight end here because they need a tight end. Have we ever drafted a tight end, Matt? <laughs> no, we will not. And you're exactly right. And, you know, when I was your age, Landon, it kind of made me mad, but I just expect it now. No, our linebacker group is the two best things that can be, big fella, good and cheap. So there is no way in hell. As good as Devin Wood is, that kid from Utah, I watched his tape. Although he does not shed blocks that well. I would not pick him in the first round. I don't care who I was and what I needed. He doesn't shed blocks at an NFL level yet. Mm-hmm. We're not picking him. Uh, we've all fallen, fallen in love with Zion Johnson. He looks like a, an interior offensive lineman that typically would go earlier than you think, especially in the last few years. Except he's not as tall as those guys that have kind of gone early, like a Diaz to – New Orleans and these other guys, uh, Frank Ragnow. I don't know if he has the frame to go early. Um, that's kind of who I'm landing on. Um, but honestly, the question I was really thinking, John, is this is weirdly John Robinson's seventh draft with us. Hmm. Doesn't time fly? It doesn't seem like it's that long. 16, 17, man. 18, 19, 20, 21. This is 22. We've come so, a long way from uh... – <laughs> um what's what's his face uh kevin dodd i mean oh yeah you know. we've come a long way like six years but i guess the question big fella is let's not think about what we're going to take because how can we know what year of the other six does this feel like most to you because remember in 19 it felt like we were going to go best player mm-hmm. and in 2020 it felt like we were going to try to beef up that that offensive line Okay, so what does it feel like to you going into the draft? Like, not even necessarily need like, what is the philosophy? What what does the approach feel like to you? Um, you know, it's hard. I, I feel uh, I feel like offensive line is a big need for us, so it feels like twenty, and I feel like we need to to rectify. I'm not even gonna, uh, you know, say his name on, on our show. But that pick, and we all know who I'm talking that about. That pick that we hope is getting some good mental health and is, yeah, is going to be a pick. good, productive person. That person <clears throat> that must not be named. Yeah. That uh, we're Voldemort. all praying for. And for Voldemort for right now. Um, yes. Yes. So, I mean, I, it feels a little bit like that because I, I think the three of us, at least, we identified a glaring need, and we know that we need to address it you know, with, with a relatively high draft pick. But I also kind of feel like um, it's 2018 where we took Rashawn Evans, not because we, you know, needed Evans type, but I think that year we were kind of like all over the board without a real need. Um, I think we all figured it would be defense. And I was, you know, really hoping for Harold Landry, which we got him in the second. Um, but I, I think the jury was out on our pick that year. So I kind of feel like that's where we are. And, I mean, we're kind of similarly late. Well, we're a little bit later in the draft. Um, but similarly, we don't have an early, early pick. Um, so it kind of feels like a blend of 18 and 20. <clears throat> Interesting. But Landon, when we picked Rashawn Evans, I hated it. 
And I'm going to hate if we pick an off-ball linebacker, a safety, running back, or side end because <laughs> I just don't – I don't know how that changes the game. Um, do you feel we the same way? Because I, I feel like we're over that. I think we, we botched that enough. I want it to be like 19, and not just because we got a really, really good player. I want it to be like a guy that maybe I hadn't thought, but it's like, oh, hmm, okay. Not where, like, you see where he fits a need. You more see, like, oh, I see where if everything hits right in three years, that could be one of the – he could be one of the five best players at his position. Yeah, I think we have the luxury of doing that because on defense, our only need is really another outside corner, but we're probably going to trust in Farley to develop and sign some veterans, so that's ruled off. Then on offense, it's wide receiver three, your offensive line. So we can take a luxury pick if we want. I think it'll, so. And it'll be nice if someone falls, but it's just, it's kind of weird because like the depth or the top in talent at positions that we want keeps getting mocked before us. Like the top five receivers generally go before our pick, all the tackles mm-hmm. go. One or both of Zion Johnson and Kenyon Green go. And it's just a question of which guy do we think has that value and can come in? Because it's just kind of weird because outside of receiver and offensive line, there's not really a clear path to any rookie, no matter where we draft him, starting just because, yes, our roster is is kind of top-heavy right now, but we're bringing a lot of guys back from last year, and our team was pretty good last year when healthy. So I'm not sure. I mean, I've seen – an uptick in mock drafts to having us take a quarterback of the future at 26, which I, unless Ew. it's Malik Willis somehow, I would hate yeah, this because that's the only one I don't like any of these guys. Because Pickett well, is, a, is a shorter man's Tannehill, and I don't, I wouldn't get that. And that's dumb. I well, agree me, with you, Landon, that it sets up. Yeah. I want a guy that's at a premium position that's for a few years down the road because. I like Zion Johnson a lot for us as plug and play, but he doesn't fit our t- – I mean, he's athletic and he's really productive. I would be on board with him. But um, other than that, I mean, I don't know. I, I just hope we get a good player down the road. I mean, I don't want – because the time that we just did straight up need and reached, we know what happened with that. John won't even say his name on the podcast. <laughs> well, I remember you telling me, this means we're keeping Henry. You know, And I was like, oh, great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what that meant. And Although, I see what they were trying, but they were um Oh, if it if it pans the world out. doesn't work that way. And honestly, the pandemic and them not even I think if they would have got that kid to Nashville, there's no way they would draft him. I still think no. that because their track record says so. And I think that they could not utilize what yep. they utilize best, which is a field. I mean, John Robinson started at a scout as a scout in southeast Missouri for the Patriots. I mean, this guy was scouting D two football. This guy goes off field, and he wasn't able to do that. I don't expect us to ever bomb like we did with them. So I give him more or less a pass because I, it's easier for me to watch, you know, A.J. Brown, who was the 51st pick, and all of our good third, fourth, and fifth round picks. I'm willing to give him a pass because that was literally unprecedented. Yeah. But it all comes down to when that clock is on and the board is going every which way, he needs to go with ceiling. Now, I don't know that Caleb Farley is ever going to be a really good NFL player, but I see the logic because if he does hit, he's going to be a top five guy. And um, honestly, that I think that's that's where we go. I think all you can do at the end of the uh, first round is just who is the best player available with the high ceiling? Yeah, well, I, I want to rewind it back a minute when talking about what we might do at 26 and Landon, how you said a lot of people are mocking Kenyon green and that if he's not there, you guys want to potentially take Malik Willis as QB of the future. So Chad Reuter may, may be one of the worst mock drafters because number one, he does not have Kenyon green in the first round at all. Idiot. Um, and number two, he where, has where is a, this guy? What publication uh, on NFL.com? Chad Reuter. It's ironic that they're so bad. Writer. It's terrible. And I then like they the have a taking... and the research that they do and all the uh, different stuff like that. But they're paid that, to do this. I mean, but their mod draft guys are. Oof, well, oof. and get the, uh, the they have us taking Sam Howell 
at 26. I would. That's so stupid. We would never take a guy oh. that short. We've never, ever no. done that. I, I would throw up all over the place if we did that. Uh, I mean, it's just disgusting, especially if Kenyon Green is still there. And again, like I said, he is not in the first round when he's, I think, arguably the number one interior offensive lineman in this draft, if not in the last few drafts. He's a he's a he's a mutant, and I would love him at twenty six. Lana, would you? Oh, for sure. I I think Zion versus Kenyon Green. I've talked about this. Green is a year and a half younger, and he's more versatile and has higher upside. But Zion Johnson tested well, and he's definitely safer. I think even though I love Zion so much, I would go with Kenyon Green just because he just has such a high ceiling. And if he did drop to us, it would be because Texas A&M's offensive line kept getting hurt, so he kept having to bounce around. Because, like John said, he's maybe the best guard in this draft. Assuming Raiden's is the right tackle, we need to guard. If there's not a follower and an obvious pick or a receiver we love, <coughs> just take a pro-ready guard that has upside. I mean... Assuming the top five receivers are gone, you're reaching on someone no matter who you take mm-hmm. a receiver. Okay. Big fella, what are you looking forward to most next weekend? Um, Disney World. <laughs> oh, sorry, bad joke. Um, <laughs> I just think they're gonna, you know, I mean, it, it reminds me a little bit of oh, well, I think what was it, 2017 with all the trades for quarterbacks. I don't know if they're gonna be quarterbacks going because. You know, it's not a really strong class, but there are a lot of teams with multiple first round picks. There are a lot of teams that could move all over the board. And I think necessity is going to, you know, kind of make these teams get a little desperate that we know the ones that are going to trade, like the Jets are going to move around. And, you know, um, the Saints have two first round picks and the Eagles have two first round picks. I mean, those are teams that could just kind of move all over the place. The Giants have have two. Um, So I think there's going to be a lot of movement um, for for players that we're probably not even talking about right now. Oh, that's Uh, true. Somebody somebody may fall in love with Drake London and feel they have to jump like six people to get him. Um, He's easy to fall in love with, and I do think it's a great point that the teams with multiple first-round picks control the draft. Yeah. And we've got some aggressive teams – historically, like the Saints and the Eagles, that have multiple first picks. So, yeah, I don't think it's going to – I don't think – I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't see a trade in the first 15 picks. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think there's a lot of top-end talent in this draft. But, like most years now, because college football is putting out <laughs> as many good players as ever. There's so many good football players. Football is such a big deal in this country – that kids at an early age are picking it over basketball and baseball more than ever. And we've got mm-hmm. a lot of great athletes and people are nuts about football. And I think the NFL, if they could ever figure out how to get, you know, 25 good um, quarterbacks instead of 10 or 11, I think the product would be amazing because everywhere else on the field, it's just uh, amazing how much football talent that we have. Mm-hmm. But that being I mean, said, the yeah. first 15 guys, I mean, I, I'd rather have two first-round picks than anything outside of the top five. I mean, I just would. I just like the depth. I just like the depth. So, it's going to be for us draft picks. I think it's going to be second, third round. It'll be good because there's going to be a lot of good players there. But the first five or ten, I mean, there's some good players. But, I mean, nobody's wetting my Wilson. Am I totally off base there, Landon? It doesn't help that this draft class is coming off the back of 2021, which looks to be, I don't want to say historic, but the guys at the top outside the quarterbacks, just because they went to such bad teams, all the other top guys lived up to expectations and even exceeded them. Like, Yeah, I don't like hyperbole, but mm-hmm. this that last year in this rookie class, yeah, absolutely. Uh, outstanding. And I, I was talking, I mentioned this when I was looking at Aiden Hutchinson's like, I don't even know if he would be my top edge rusher last year, and he's probably mm. going to be the first overall pick this year. And it's not a bad thing, but it's just like, you look at it last year, even at the time, he probably goes at the 14th pick at the earliest without knowing how good the rookies yeah. last year would be. And so I'm interested in just seeing how the top, just the top 10, 15 shakeout, because I have a general idea of who the top players are, 
but there's just no order. Last year was pretty obvious. It was like, you've got Lawrence as this big QB. You've got the other QBs. You've got oh, yeah. two great tackles. You've got these receivers. You've got these corners of Micah Parsons. And you can oh, yeah. generally feel how it goes. With this, it's like, I know who the top guys are at positions, generally speaking, but the order is completely off. And I, mm. there's going to be reach. There's going to be reaches because oh. teams are going to value them differently. Like exactly right. This trip, Travon Walker hype. It's like this oh, guy. This guy <laughs> should be like the twentieth pick at best, and he's he getting should. top. Five he votes. didn't perform. Watch his tape. He looks yeah. amazing in the uniform, and he could be a good, solid guy. Honestly, these classes. 21 and 22 are exactly the same, John. If you take yeah. it away the best 12 guys on last year's, the sure. depth is there. They do not have the star power, and that's okay. But Aiden Hutchinson is Chris Long, which is a good player to have, but he is not a Bosa brother. Well, it's funny because I was actually just going to make that comparison. Like when the Browns took Miles um, Garrett with the number one overall pick, Nobody doubted that for a second. And he's come in and he's just, you know, lit the world on fire. And, I mean, I don't get that feeling from Aiden Hutchinson. I, I, he, you know, he's not Miles Garrett. He's not a Bosa brother. He's not a Watt brother. I mean, he, like you're saying, he's a good player. But is he worthy of being number one? But then if he isn't, who is? Well, I, mean, I mean, I know, you know I would take him number one because he plays a premium position and he loves sure. football. He's tough as nails. He got the right size, but he's going to play for 12 years and get 70 sacks and he's going to be on some good teams, but he is yeah. not going to be a 12 sack a year guy. He's not going to be a guy that takes over a game. I mean, maybe he will, but he's not, he's just not going to do that, but somebody yeah. has to do that every year. Somebody has to sure. win the Oscars every year. Somebody has to. So it's like, one. they're going to give the award out every year. And yeah. I'm not saying or trashing him. I'm just saying like, it's a good year for us to not be picking in the top five. But it's a bad year for us to not have a second-round pick because that's where things are going to be made because the depth of guys coming out is as good as ever. And I am yeah. telling you, every team in the top five, every single one of them, even number one, would take both of Philly's picks and both of New Orleans' picks right now, straight up, to just trade to back because I'd rather mm -hmm. have 17 and 18 or whatever than one – Maybe not one, two, but three, four, five. I mean, I would. And that's why you're not going to see any more movement. That's why you saw the movement that was going to happen, happen two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's spot on. And, you know, I mean, even just looking at a couple different mocks, and it's hard to get too excited about too many people at the top of the draft. I mean, there are guys that I like in the draft. Like, I like Sauce Gardner. I think he's just a straight-up baller. But really? Landon would like him at 25. Landon doesn't like him. Uh, what? No, I, I like I like my Gardner. I thought you didn't like his skills. I think you like the other guy from Cincinnati that plays corner uh, as much as him. No, I haven't watched uh, Cody Ryan yet. No, I, I like yeah. Gardner. He's my cornerback one. I think you're thinking – Do you like Gardner more. like being fifth or sixth overall? And I think Gardner, John, is the perfect point. Yeah. Gardner's going to be a good NFL player. We're going to look back and be like – because I tell you what, I would much rather have Joe Hunt – Joe – Hornson or Patrick Sertain. Like, he's sure. he's in a different tier than both those guys. I'm telling you, this draft and last draft are the same if you take out the top 11 guys, top 12 guys. This is this is a really good draft, but it does not have a really top quarterback, and it doesn't have even really the top guy. Now, they might wind up being good, but it's prospects. I'm right. excited, but that's why I say this draft is for draft picks because, I mean, there's going to be a lot of good players that move the needle – but there's no Bosa brother and there's no Aaron Donald or there's mm -hmm. no whatever. I mean, there's, I don't see it, but there's a lot of guys that will win you games, but this draft should really start at pick 11. My yeah, opinion. I, oh, and right. I've been and doing, I think, like I said, I've been watching this closely since 1992 mm -hmm. and that's my take. And I just think it's a good draft, but it doesn't have any home run hitters. That's okay. No. Uh, and for us, we're looking to get, add good players, um, but, you know, the bad teams are not going to benefit. And we've seen this in other years. We've seen this where smart teams that have high picks, they just pick a guy to premium position that's going to be a solid player. All uh, Was that Fisher that they um, – Eric Fisher? Uh, yeah. Hey, this is an Eric Fisher draft. What you need to do, find your guy that you know is going to be above average, average starter, be willing to sign a good second deal, 
Just get him. I think Aiden Hutchinson yeah. is that guy, and that's why I would probably pick him first. Yeah, I mean, if I'm the Jags, I, I really – I'm praying to God that somebody calls me and tries to do anything to get number one. Not gonna but I don't think – that nobody's going to do it um, for the 10 million reasons we're talking about right now. And I don't think that there is a clear pick that they love. So I think they will do what you're talking about, and they will take Aiden Hutchinson, or maybe they drink all the Kool-Aid on Trayvon Walker um, or Kayvon Thibodeau. I mean, just because that's yeah. what everybody says they should do, so they'll probably do it. Um, I got a good feel for Thibodeau. <laughs> People question his love of the game or whatever. To me, Thibodeau has a ceiling of like a Jason Taylor. Um, and so I think he's kind of a safe pick too, but no, he is, he's not, everybody wants every year for there to be a Lawrence Taylor. There's not always a Lawrence Taylor, but honestly, we'd all take Jason Taylor and I'm not saying he's going to be that good, but I mean, that that's as good as he could be. Um, Lana, what are you most excited for next weekend? I'm personally most excited to see where Malik Willis goes. Uh, I think that's mm-hmm. going to be really interesting and set the tone for the draft. Um, and I'm interested to see what the Eagles and the Saints kind of get frisky and do, like John mentioned. What are you most excited for? Well, just kind of stealing what you said, what the Packers and Chiefs do, because they've lost some guys that are probably like top 20 players straight up in the league. They have a bunch of picks. Green Bay has more obvious needs than – Kansas City does, but Kansas City isn't afraid to do unorthodox picks like with Edwards Alaire. They've um, shown to be good drafters, but they don't necessarily follow the traditional idea of how you value it. And then I'm really interested in just seeing how this wide receiver group shakes out, both stylistically and just the order, because yeah. there are some guys like you mentioned in that six in that six to ten range versus the one to five that have such high ceilings, but there's just weird questions like Alec Pierce and Christian Watson play small school. George Pickens got hurt. Sky Moore is really small, but it's like they're not as a level of prospect. If you can easily see them being as good as that top five receiver group level. And that top five group has a lot of questions too. Like there's a reason Shalen Burks, people think he's going to fall into the twenties now compared to what he was during the season. Because when you look at the tape and you don't just watch the highlights He's more of an athlete than a receiver at this point. That doesn't mean he's going to suck, but he's not Debo Samuel yet. I think the the biggest ceiling receiver is uh, Jameson Williams that played for Alabama last year. And he has a lot of – he has injury issues and some size issues. To me, he's the one that really pops. Hmm. Everybody else has issues. I think Burks, I love him. I like his feel for the game. I like his approach to the game, what everybody says about him. But honestly, he could be the next Corey Davis. He could be a guy that'd be there for you and play hard, but Corey Davis is not a superstar. And, if, you know, that's what you want. Even in the first 20 picks, I, I bet on a superstar. That's why I liked our pick of Simmons at 19 better. Mm-hmm. I, I, want, I mean, and that's why I'm okay with Kevin Farley last year. Swing for the fences in the first round. Yeah. Well – um, talking about receivers, I actually, you know, I think everybody you're talking about is they're good. They're obviously worthy of first round picks, but I think the guy, as far as a receiver that I'm most excited about, um, is Chris Olave at Ohio state. Oh, I think oh, I don't like him. I, I like him as a route runner. I love your smooth. opinion. You've been so smart on these guys over the years, but I've watched him for a while, and he just seems like a guy in a really good situation for me. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Lana, I want to, I want you to give me your full take on him, and then Lana can be our tiebreaker. Well, I think he needs to go to the right place. Um, I, I don't think he's a guy that fits everywhere. Like right now in this mock, I'm looking at it hasn't gone to Green Bay, which, you know, that could be an interesting fit for him because Rogers. I mean. Is he banking on Sammy Watkins, Randall Cobb? I mean, no. Green Bay's you know, he good knows. Thing, no, he, he's good. Rogers is going to make somebody like he made Adams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you, if you like a guy, pray he gets drafted there. Right. I like a receiver because he can make somebody. Sure. So, and I, I think, I think if he gets in the right scheme, the right situation, I think he'll he'll be one of those guys. He'll be he'll be the next group of the AJ Browns. I oh think. no no no! Don't say it. no. He's not. I, I'm not saying. I'm not saying he's AJ. He's and AJ I, like Brown. I said, I respect your opinion. Yeah. I just don't think he has that physicality 
and I just don't see it. Landon, uh, break the tie here. So I'll just do a quick little impromptu sky report on a lot of a Nathan. I think a lot of your issues with him come down to the same issues you have with Baker Mayfield, where he's yeah. in such a good situation being asked to do such simple things. It's hard to tell if he's good, if he could do those things or not. Cause yeah. he never, I don't see the tape where he had to do it. Yeah. Because a lot that of his stuff is like, but yeah. yeah, a lot of his stuff, he's wide open, catching a ball down the field for a big touchdown, or he's running by guys without having to break tackles. And He's not had to beat a lot of press. And I do think, like, even though I would love Alave at 26 for us just on the talent and his field stretching ability, he's soft. I mean, it's not, I don't mean it in a harsh way, but it's like he doesn't really block. He's slight. And if he's having to break a tackle that isn't just outrunning a guy, he's not doing it. I mean, like, he's soft. He doesn't, he didn't get a lot of press coverage at Ohio State. And I think. In some situations, and a guy who can keep up with him athletically and compress him, Olave is definitely a guy that can get a race. But at the same time, it's weird because his 40-yard dash, I feel, is kind of overrating him in mind because I liked his speed on film, but it didn't feel like he was a sub-4-4 guy like he tested. But he's so clean. I didn't see him on the field. He's fast. but Yeah, I don't think he's going to fail. It's just a question of is a guy who's going to be a solid wide receiver too – caliber player most likely worth that pick i think with the way the league is trending i would take a player like Olave in the first round but like for us i can easily see us not taking him because stylistically he doesn't fit us but right, i think a lot of Olave's first round caliber fits is just, us. yeah burks just fits all, us yeah. and at 26 we'd take Corey davis again and that's what he could be another Corey Davis. Yeah. but in this draft james and williams is wide receiver one even with his injury and it's a full tier ahead of anyone else. It's not even a question for me. I mean, I like the kid from USC. I think they're in a tier mm-hmm. together. But Jameson Williams is, is the has the highest ceiling in this draft. Yeah. And maybe if things would fall, people would out and we could take him. And I think our fan base would not be pumped. But I would be pumped <laughs> because he he is the Simmons of receivers. We might have to wait half a year on him or even really the end of year two for him or whatever. But that kid is hell on wheels. I just pulled up an NFL bio on Traylon Burks, and his NFL comp is A.J. Brown with more wiggle. Get the hell out of here. Yeah, I've saying. also seen, like, Debo Samuel with a power-up mushroom. It's just like you're seeing a guy that no. is big and bulky and go and runs mm-hmm. hard with the ball in his hands. It's like – it's not it. With, going back to Drake London, him not running his 40 as pro day does worry me because I don't think he yeah. has – at speed, like I've seen a lot of people saying he probably would have tested like four, five, eight, four, six range. Which, Oof. if you're a big guy, you can get away with that, I think, especially because he's got really long <clears throat> arms, great blocker, great ball skills, great hands. But it's just like, I mean, speed is more important than ever nowadays. And it feels like generally the guys that bust in the, in the early picks at receiver are big guys who yeah. don't really have the speed to separate. Exactly. I think London isn't that J.J. Arcega Whiteside and Nikhil Harry type because he is a lot more nuanced in his route running and everything. But no, just, it's like, but he's not. He's going to be a good player. The question is how good. But for me, well, think, if I'm taking a guy top ten, and that's what they're talking about with him. The ones that have hit that have went top ten, they were everything. They were fast and they were big and they were agile. And if someone, oh Kevin White, he's really great, but he's five eight. No. This is the top ten we're talking about for receiver. You need to hit every box. And if London is a four, five, eight, he doesn't hit every box, and he needs to go 19th, and he needs to surprise us and be super awesome. Top ten needs to be Calvin Johnson. The end. That's me. I know I'm a, I'm a holdout. But if you look at historically what is hit and not, do not talk yourself into a receiver top ten. You take only the no brainers and the only no-brainer is jameson williams although he's not huge but he's hurt and he's not a no-brainer he should he should go between 15 and 25 because he's hurt and he's not like six foot three everybody else needs to go around that time anything after 15 drake london fine burke's fine but i don't think for me especially we spent the first part of this podcast talking about all the good fourth-year receivers that were second-round picks that are awesome. Do your homework, people. 
Find Scary Terry. Find A.J. Brown. Find yeah. Debo Samuel. Guess where they went the second round? Find and Renfro. honestly, yeah, I mean, keep naming them. I'm just saying it's a different time. Don't subscribe to 10 or 12 years ago in the NFL. These guys are good, and you don't have to take them top 15. You do not. No, I'm even watching some tape on Drake London now, and, I mean, he looks good, but in all the – he does not look fast. So yes, I, I no, guess he does fast. I get why he didn't run his 40 because he saw Corey no, Davis. because he had an agent like me who said, there's no way you're getting on that field. Well, and he, saw getting... Cor- he saw Corey Davis get drafted high in the first round uh, without running a 40. I, I, yeah. You know, that might be the model, right? Oh, if, if you're I not fast, was... you you want to skip it if you have a chance to. And it worked out that I think Davis had an ankle injury, so he had an excuse. Yeah. But it's no, like, I mean, it's well, like right, if you're if he, fast, but... you run to – Show it off because being fast is something that'll get right. you drafted high. Right, but like to your you, point just a minute ago, if he runs, if he goes out there and trots at a four five eight, he might fall out of the first round. Yeah. We so like, if you're not going to run a four 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 or lower, don't do it. Yeah. Especially if you have cachet and brand and all that. Yeah. Like these with, guys that come from North Dakota State or whatever, they have to run. But if you don't have to run, you'd be a moron to run. Yeah. yeah. Like poor David Ball. Poor David Bell from Purdue ran like four, uh, four seven. He dropped from like a day two pick to the fifth round because you can't run a four seven as a receiver. No, no, you cannot. Not today. There's too many guys that are good. Right. Um, I mean, this the discussion the, makes the me Jamar wish that, Chases and yeah, yeah. This this is yeah. I mean, I wasn't all in on Jamar Chase because he's not like six foot four, but the guy Landon told us all along if he had every other trait. And look, and he is a special, special guy. He's a guy, even though he's been in the league a year, I'm going to exclude him from all comparison because he has the potential to be a Hall of Famer. Not that he is going to be, but just watch the games down the stretch. Some people are amazing. You can't predict a guy to be elite, elite, elite. Am I right about that? So Jamar Chase is six foot tall. He had every other thing. Landon told us how good he was going to be, and guess what? The guy is incredible. He's like a better <laughs> AJ Brown. I mean, he's the perfect. He's he's like basically like a block out there running. And um, I don't want anybody to tell me that. I don't see that guy in this draft. But I really think again, the value at receivers him in second, third round. That's why I'm bummed we don't have a pick. I would love it if we just picked a guy. Maybe I haven't thought of. Or the guy that drops at a position we might need two years from now, like we did in nineteen. And then I honestly think with our front office, I'd like to see what receiver we picked in the third round. But you know what, boys? We're going to find out in one week. And I'm really pumped about that. It's all going to happen. This will be one of the rare years. We're not all three together. But hopefully we can get together um, and do this podcast more. I know this has been a wide receiver heavy draft, but that's what we love. And I know that's going to be a need. We're going to have to meet one way or the other, whatever round. Um, we appreciate everybody listening to us. Uh, uh, big fellow Lane, and of course we got on here and said, we're going to go 30 minutes. Guess what? We don't that. <laughs> but that's how much we like talking to each other. That's how much we love our Titans. Uh, guys, I just really appreciate y'all being with us and all of our fans. Follow us. Uh, share us with somebody. This is really fun. Uh, we're going to do this a little, little bit more moving forward. Uh, I guess we'll see you soon. But until then, tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten up.